Oh God, I just thank you for Bali. I thank you for his heart. I thank you, Father, for his heart to serve you and uh, his family and his church and in every way, Lord God. And Father God, I pray, Lord, that as he speaks, that each one of us will have receptive hearts and minds to what you want to say to us as the church, Lord God. Father, encourage us and bless us through Bali now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Can you hear me? Wow, that's good. Okay, if I sound like a duck, um, that's probably because I've never used this microphone before. And uh, it's, it's, okay, Pete's working really hard to get it to work. Okay, right. Before I start um, this morning, my message, um, I just would like to share a story with you. Um, one day, um, a young preacher came up to preach a Sunday morning, and he was full of enthusiasm, and he was just going for it. And then, you know, as most of the preachers do, if you ask preachers, they will tell you, they, while they preach, they just scan across the congregation to see who's actually engaging with this message so that you don't look at someone who's falling asleep but you look at someone who is engaging so that you can keep on going so this young preacher was preaching and then he saw a lady in the congregation she was getting really into it and as he carried on preaching she got very emotional and she got very tearful and then it got to a point she was weeping by the end of his preach so his sermon so after the sermon, this young preacher got really excited. He felt the Lord moved so mightily, powerfully, and touched the soul of a, an old lady. So he went and said to the lady, say, I watched you throughout the service, how you responded to the message. Now please tell me what happened while I was preaching. And then she said, you know, you really it moved me this morning. And she said, I used to have a goat in my house. And I was very, very fond of this goat. And a few years ago, this goat that I really dearly loved, it passed away. But every time this morning when I looked at you, when you preached, your beard reminded me of my goat. <laughs> so I hope this morning when I preach, I don't remind you of your dead cat or your dog or anything else. My prayer is that this morning when I speak, that you will not see me, but you hear what God has to say. And that's the only thing I want this morning. Okay? So this whole week, month, we've been uh, concentrating on generosity. We had um, the leaders speak on various aspects of generosity. So I'm going to kind of bring it all together this morning on generosity. So my question is, why should we be generous? Why? Why should we be generous? You're working hard for your money. Anything that you have, you worked hard for, or you inherited from someone who worked hard for, why should you be generous? Is generosity only applicable for Christians? No way. There are plenty of people out there who are non-Christians. Some of them are atheists. They are far more generous than some Christians. Yeah? And we need to be really honest and true. And the one thing that I don't like about Christians is, there is sometimes among Christians, they feel far superior than the non-Christians. There is almost an arrogance among Christians thinking, because we are Christians, we know it better. The atheists are not better than us. 
only difference that between the atheists and us is that we have Christ and they don't have Christ. Okay? And therefore, I'm, personally, I am a very critical thinker. When I read Bible, I always read the Bible critically. If you don't think critically, you do not find the answers. Do you know, Jesus had 12 disciples. Out of 12, he deliberately chose one who is always skeptical. And do you know, when he found Christ truly, and then he went to India and he died for his faith. And do you know Nathaniel, who Jesus said, a true a, a true servant of God in whom there is no guile. And he was very skeptical too. So I would encourage you always, no matter who preaches, it could be your best preacher, your favorite preacher, No, doesn't matter how reputable they are, don't just take it at face value. Ask questions. Because the Bible says, test everything and hold on to what is good. So we are called not to be a gullible, but Test everything and hold on to it. So let's go back to generosity. Let's start from Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. This is a story. What happened during Jesus' time? And Luke is saying this story. Okay, let me just put my watch here. Otherwise, I'll forget what the time is. That's my greatest weakness. When I start talking, I forget the time. Okay, yes, Dick will do because he's in our life group. I'm grateful for having Dick in our life group. He keeps me in line all the time. Right. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. And wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who, um, who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is a famous story we all know. This woman walked into the Pharisee's house. 
And the Bible says, the narrator, Luke says, she was a woman with a record. Not a very good record. She had a past. She had a history. Right? But Jesus was invited to this Pharisee's house. In this story, we're looking at three different people. The Pharisee, the sinful woman, Jesus. Let's start with the Pharisee. The Pharisee is a man who's known as the religious person. According to the Jewish tradition and the culture, the Pharisees were people very strict in their teachings, in their beliefs, and they kept all the rules and the laws and then the festivals and the, cle the cleansing process. They knew it all. They were very religious people. They were pure people. And this is the people that Jesus were very critical of. They were very religious, okay? So he decided to invite Jesus to his house, and Jesus comes. He's being generous. Normally, the Pharisees and Jesus always conflicted. Jesus criticized them heavily. Read Matthew chapter 23. Matthew had dedicated the entire chapter for Jesus' criticism on the Pharisees, right? So Jesus called them all sorts of names. Do you know Jesus called them actually their sons of hell? That's what Jesus says. Read Matthew chapter 23. Jesus called them sons of hell, right? So, but this Pharisee decided, okay, I will invite Jesus, this Jesus to my house. So he invited Jesus to his house, and he's being generous. Let's pause for a second and think about this Pharisee. Sometimes we could be a Pharisee. We can do, if, let's read Matthew 23, 20, uh, 23 what Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, will say about this Pharisee. Shall we just quickly have a look? Sorry, that's not on there. It just came at the last minute. Matthew 23, 23. This is what Jesus says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So do we think that we are far more regenerous than the Pharisee? If you thinking, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, I'm pointing at mine. If we think if we give our tithe, we give our offering, we do little goods here and there, we are generous. Well, compare that with the Pharisees. They gave tithe in their cumin in their mint, pretty much in everything they owed, they gave tithe. They kept the law. But Jesus calling them what? He's criticizing them. Criticizing them. He's saying that it's not acceptable. You can do all this. Sometimes we can be generous so that we can look good on the outside. We do generous things so that we can be seen as good people. Let me not be very critical without pointing fingers at anybody. I hope nobody put your name down on the wine dine because you didn't want to look bad. If you have, then you wanted to be seen as good. That's what the Pharisees did. They didn't want to look bad in anyone's eyes. They want to be seen as generous people. We don't, I'm not criticizing the wine dine. It's a very good thing that church has good initiation, right? It's a good encouragement. It's encouraging people to get in to do, do the good things and care for the church. But our generosity should not end at the month of August. It should not end at the month end of September. 
It should carry on. That should be the normal way. Do you know, the first church in Acts chapter 2, you read it, they opened their house for everybody. That was a normal living. The church didn't have to advertise and say, you have to open your house for the guests. I'm not criticizing. Please don't get me wrong. It's a wonderful thing what we are doing. But it shouldn't stop there. The Pharisees did things that they want to be seen as good people. They want to be seen as generous people. They want to be seen as the most pure. So he invited Jesus to his house. And then what happens? Just before I go there, let's read another scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. What does Paul say? It's on the board. 13, 1 Corinthians 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Do you know you could be generous without loving people? There are lots of people out there, they give lots of things, thousands and thousands. Some even give millions. It's not because they love. It's because they want to be seen good. Or it's because they want to not to be taxed too much. Right? And there are all sorts of things. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, even if I give my body to be burned, if I give everything, but the reason behind it, it's not love, then it's waste. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, people in our life group, because we have broken the life group for the summer holidays, some of them said, we want to study something in the Bible, something just, some complicated stuff. So we decided uh, to look in, study about health. They said, oh, hell, no, you don't want to talk about it. And we did talk about it. But I tell you what, at the end of it, some of the feedback was they saying, I'm glad because it makes me now to pray with the right attitude for the people, those who are dying. Because sometimes we tell, we share the gospel with the people, those who are perishing. It's not because of love. It's because out of necessity. It's out of duty. Do you tell, the, do you preach the gospel out of duty? Or do you preach the gospel out of love for the dying world? No, we could do the right thing for the wrong reason. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They were doing all the right things for wrong reason because they want to be seen as good people. They want to be seen as religious people. They want to be seen as the holy people. They want to be seen far better than anyone else. If I stand here and preach to you because I want to look good in your eyes, then I've lost it all. You see? So the, the second person walks into the scene is a woman with a bad reputation. She's got a bad history, right? And she was known as the sinful woman. But what she does is amazing. Do you know this, if you read the story, there is not a single word that came out of the mouth of this woman. But yet, she spoken quite a lot. Have you noticed? She hasn't uttered a single word, but she has spoken quite a lot. 2,000 years later, today, we are still standing here talking about this sinful woman. We don't know what kind of sins she had committed. She could have been a prostitute. She could have been a woman just had very bad, promiscuous lifestyle. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell you exactly what was her sin, but says she was sinful. She was so famous for her sins, the Pharisee knew who she was. 
Because the Pharisee is a holy man. He wouldn't normally have anything to do with a sinful woman. But he knew who she was. But the criticism he has for Jesus is that he's saying, if he is this prophet, he would know what kind of woman that the woman is that's touching his feet. See, in the Old Testament, do you know what is the test of a prophet is? A prophet could read your mind, read your lifestyle even before you started saying something. Modern day, there are lots of people going around on TV advertising themselves as prophets. Ask them to tell you something. They know nothing. They just like to claim to be prophets. But those days, if you don't pass that test, if whatever you said doesn't come to pass, they will stone you to death. You will be known as a false prophet. And that's pretty much what the Pharisee is saying about Jesus. He's saying he doesn't know what kind of woman she is. If he is a truly a prophet, he would have known straight away she is a sinful woman. He wouldn't have let her touch him. You see? He's being generous to Jesus, but in his heart, he's being very critical of Jesus. Sometimes we could be like that. We could be generous and giving and everything, but deep down in our hearts, the attitudes could stink and very critical of others. So what does this woman do? She comes in. She has taken a, a huge risk. In those days, normally, when a public figure is invited to someone's house, they open the door for others because that person is a public figure and therefore they have access to others. So that's what the Pharisee has done. He invited Jesus because Jesus is a public figure and he opened his house for others to come. And this sinful woman heard about Jesus, so she decided to go and get this alabaster box with this pure... She pours it on Jesus' feet, but before she pours that, she does something else. She weeps and weeps and weeps and cleanses Jesus' feet with her tears. And then she wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. Do you know hair is the most precious part of especially any human being, but especially ladies. Whenever it comes to royal wedding or even someone's wedding at church, ladies go and make an appointment. For what? To fix their hair. Isn't that true? I'm not being critical. I'm just stating the obvious, right? Because it's very important. How many of you have done? You made an appointment because your best friend's wedding or someone in your family getting married. You want to get your hair fixed. You didn't make an appointment to go and put makeup on. But you made an appointment to get your hair fixed because it's very important, right? But what she's done, she's saying, the most precious part of my body is not even worth the dirt on Jesus' feet. Why? Why would she do such a thing? Because she knew how sinful she was. She knew how bad, how terrible her life was. And then now that she has realized all of it, and then she compares that with the goodness and gracious and the generosity of God, and then she realizes, all that I have worth nothing before God. Dear friends, let me tell you, until we have learned to recognize the depth of our sin, we will never ever fully appreciate God's love. We think we understand God's love. But if you haven't re fully realized how desperate you are without God, how sinful your life is, you might think, I'm not that sinful. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't stolen from anyone. Do you know, I hear all the time people say, I'm a good person. Okay, when you say you're a good person, who are you comparing against? What is your benchmark? If you compare yourself against Osama bin Laden, yes, you are a good person. You are a saint. But if you compare yourself, the 
the king of the universe who came to this earth and died on the cross for your sins while you were a sinner, do you think you are a good person? No. That's what that woman realized. She realized how sinful she was. So what she does, she pulls everything. She gives everything she has. Dear friends, we will not be truly generous until we learn to recognize that everything that we have is a gift from God. When we recognize that, nothing in this world will matter to us. That's what happened to this woman. Whereas the Pharisee, he felt, I'm not that sinful. I pay my tithes. I keep the law. I go to the synagogue. I go to the temple. I do all my religious stuff. I'm better than that woman. She is sinful. She walks around. She just gets involved in all the sinful things. And I'm not bad as her. That was his attitude. We might say, I'm not like that. I tell you what, I'm a more Pharisee than that woman. I'm not afraid to admit that. There is a Pharisee in all of us. There is a Pharisee in all of us. If I have offended you this morning by saying that, then ask yourself, why are you offended? There is a Pharisee in all of us. A Pharisee gives generously because he wants to be seen as good. But this woman didn't care about anything. She didn't care what the Pharisee thought. She didn't care what the rest of them thought. All that she cared about was, I'm a terrible sinner. And when she heard that Jesus was in the house, she realized that Jesus had the greatest compassion, greatest kindness, greatest love that no one has ever shown her. And therefore, when she came to realize that, she gave it all. She gave everything. You don't know what she had to go through to get that perfume. We don't know whether she went and borrowed. We don't know if that was her life saving. We have no idea. We have no clue. But she gave it all. Why? Because it didn't matter anymore. How about the things that you and I have in our lives? How much things are we holding on to? If God says, give it, are we willing to give it up? If you really want to learn about faith, stop and faith and God's gracious, stop listening to the prosperity teachers. Go and get some books on some of the old saints, people like C.T. Studd, George Muller, and people like them read their life story. Stop listening to the faith preachers on the telly. I'm fed up of these guys coming up and telling, say, sow your seed 100% and you will get a free gift. Hang on a second. How is that free gift? You, you just asked me to give you 100 pounds, and then you're telling me you're going to give me a free gift. That's no free gift. Oh, come on. If you go to Sainsbury's or Tesco's or somewhere else, they say, you buy one and get one free. That's not faith. You actually pay the normal price, and you get one free. So they understand a free gift far better than some Christians. Some Christians take it and abuse it and use it. That's not, that's what the Pharisees do. Now, let's move on further. Okay. Oh, I get excited when it comes to God's word. Being generous. You can be generous out of duty. You can be generous because you want to be seen as good. Or you can be generous out of the appreciation of what God has done for you. And that's what that woman did. She recognized what Jesus has done for you. 
the third kind of generosity is the God kind of generosity. We might call it grace. That is the generosity that Jesus had towards this woman. That's the generosity that Jesus has for all of us. Let me tell you another story before I move on to that quickly. I'm aware of the time. Got five more minutes to go. There's another story in the Bible. There's another sinful person. His name was Zacchaeus. Right? And when Jesus came to his house, what did he do? The Bible says, sorry, Les, I'm not giving you the clues to put the scriptures. I'm just going with the flow. Just follow me if you can. Right. When Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, what does he do? He say, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. This guy knows how to make money. He was a tax collector. He spent all of his life abusing the system to get money from people however much he can get. Right? Abusing the system. But what he's saying now, once he's met Jesus, he's saying, I'm going to give half of my wealth. And he doesn't stop there. And then he's saying what? If I have cheated anybody, if I have falsely taken anything from anyone, I'm going to give them fourfold. So what he's saying is, if I have taken anything from someone, I'm going to give them back with 75% interest. Who gives you 75% interest? Which bank does that? No bank does that. No finance company does that. No shareholders would give you 75%. But this sinner, who all of his life cheated people, who abused the system, who collected the money from people, when he met Jesus, he is not only saying, I'm going to give half of my wealth, and I'm going to give it to anyone from anyone if I've taken anything illegally, if I've abused, I'm going to give them fourfold, I'm going to give them 75%. Pretty much what I'm saying is that I don't care about my money anymore because I found something greater than money. I found something greater than the wealth of this world. Do you know, in, in, in the Bible, there is another story. It's about the merchant. When Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, and he says this merchant goes and he finds a precious pearl. And what he does, he goes and sells everything that he owns in order to what? In order to buy that pearl. That is the kingdom of God. Let me ask you, what have you had to give up in order to get, in order to, in order to receive Jesus? If it had cost you absolutely nothing to become a Christian, then you need to go back and check your commitment. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and carry his cross. There is always a cost in Christian following. If he hadn't cost you absolutely nothing to follow Christ, then I would really, really encourage you to go back and check your commitment and ask yourself, what did it cost me to follow Christ? I don't mean something costing you for salvation. No, salvation is free. I'm not saying that you have to earn your salvation. That's not what I'm saying. But I said, what does it cost you to follow Christ? So Zacchaeus gave everything, and this sinful woman gave everything. That is the generosity as a result of appreciation of what God has done. So when we talk about generosity, our generosity should stem out of appreciation of what God has done. Everything that I have is from God. And the third, being generous is the God kind of generosity. None of us can live up to that expectation. 
I'm not going to keep myself thinking that you and I could be like God. Because the Bible says God showed us his love by sending his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us while we were sinners. Who dies for the enemy? Would you die for your enemy? Would you die for the people that you, who is very critical of you? Would I? See, very often people say, Jesus criticized the Pharisees. Yes, he did. And then at the same time, he was willing to die for the person that he criticized. Let me ask you a question. Would you die for the person that you criticize? Will I die for the person that I criticize? I'm not going to get into political, whether it's Theresa May or Donald Trump or who else it may be. If you criticize of them, let me ask you a question. Would you be willing to die for them in order to see them being saved? Jesus would. That's the kind of generosity that Jesus showed this woman. So this morning, my challenge to all of us is, now, my notes, this happens every time when I preach. I write lots of scriptures and it goes through the, wind, through the window. Our generosity should be a result of recognizing who God is and what he has done for us. Not because we want to look good. Not because it's the right thing to do. Not because it's our duty. If that's the case, then there's no difference between us and the Pharisees. And we should be like this woman. In James chapter 1, verse 5, this is what it says. This is God's kind of generos generosity. James 1, verse 5. And he says, If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Some translation says he gives to everyone generously. God gives to everyone generously. Because that's his nature. He can't help it because he's God. He gives it all. He even gave his own life. There's one of the things that always amazes me in the Bible that blows my mind away is that the God of creation, the God who created everything, when he decided to create man, he created everything with his word, right? But when it came to man, he got on the knees. He got into the dirt. He got his hand dirty. And he formed a man out of that dirt. And then he put his eternal life into that dirt. He breathed into that eternal life, that eternal life into that dirt. And he didn't stop there. And then he does something else far greater than everything else. He gives that human being free will, knowing that human being is going to use that same gift that he has given to reject him. How amazing is that? If you give someone a gift knowing they're going to use the same gift that you're giving, it's going to be used against you to reject you, would you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If I know my son and my sons, if I give them some freedom, if they're going to use that against me, I wouldn't. But God did. Isn't that generous? Is that the kind of generosity we're talking about? We can't live up to that, but we should try. Why? Because we are made in his image. We are made in his likeness. But if we can't live up to that generosity, at least try the middle one, which is out of the appreciation of what he has done for us. 
That is what true generosity is. There's a difference between the Christian generosity and the generosity that we see in the world. Finally, last week we went to Natural History Museum and the British Museum because the boys wanted to go. When we went to the British History Museum, at the entrance, they're everywhere they're saying, it's entry free, entry free, entry free. But there is a voluntary donation, five pounds. So when we went into that security point, the security guard said, I'm one of you. I said, four of us. And he said, can you go to that queue, please? I went to that queue. And there was a young lady with an American accent. She said, how many of you? Four. And she said, voluntary donation, five pounds. You get my point? And I was tempted to say, it's voluntary. I'm not going to give you. Would anyone dare to do that in front of hundreds of people? You wouldn't because you are compelled to give because if you're not giving on five pounds, parting with five pounds, you're going to be embarrassed in front of everybody. So that is not generosity. That's not voluntary. You've been forced to do something there. That's not the generosity we're talking about in the kingdom of God. Our generosity should come out as a result of what God has done for us. Everything that I have even that breath is a gift from God. It's a free gift. So I will just leave it there. I wouldn't say it's up to you if you want to go forward for prayer individually. But I would say rather than going individually to prayer, we all need to test our hearts and say, am I a Pharisee? There is a Pharisee. I'll put my hand first. I'll put both hands first and say, I'm more of a Pharisee than that woman. God bless you.